Well, it is fun being with you all this morning. My name is John Schultz, and I have the honor of serving as associate pastor here at Fort Caroline. Our lead pastor, Ricky Powell, is out. Uh, he is preaching a series of revival messages uh, in Lake Park, Georgia. But I hope that today that God will use the message that he has poured in through me uh, with a very familiar psalm for me, and Psalm 1 is where we'll be, uh, to be able to minister to you as well. You may want to be yeah, taking a, a Bible in front of you. Maybe it's under the chair in front of you. You can open your device to Psalm 1. I'll be reading out of the ESV. Uh, and uh, It uh, may be that you already have the SCBC app. You can open up to today's message. We have uh, an outline there and, uh, and uh, opportunities for you to enter your own notes into there, however you do it. Uh, I would just urge you to follow along with me. You're going to get so much more out of the time together uh, if you're in the scripture and just kind of follow along with me as we try and work through this amazing psalm, Psalm 1 together. I also want to say one thing, one more thing, and it's this. Man, many years ago, I was where maybe some of you are today, and, and that is that you're here, but you're not yet fully convinced that maybe that Jesus is who he said he was or that the Bible is God's word. And that was the first 21 years of my life. Uh, and uh, that, uh, that's something I'm really very mindful of, that, that uh, there are a, a variety of people in different places along the journey. And I, I really am thankful that of all the places you could have chosen to be, at 9.30 on Sunday morning, you're here. So thank you for being here. As we look at Psalm 1 together, as you open up your Bible or your device or whatever, I want you to think with me just for a second on how blessed you really are. Today's message, today's talk is just a simple title of blessed. You know, we live in a country that is very, very blessed. We have running water, we have uh, clean uh, facilities, we have a place here that we can worship together that's air-conditioned, you have comfortable seating, you have a variety of creature comforts that sometimes very easily I can, or maybe you can, or you know of people that can take for granted. Uh, we go on mission trips in a variety of places we go, we gather together with people that have none of that. Uh, there, there's no air conditioning, there's no padded seating, it's it's makeshift seating, or they're sitting on the floor, or they're sitting on a stump, or, uh, and uh, there's no, there's no uh, clean water that's close by. They have to walk uh, maybe a quarter mile or a half mile to get a hold of a pump to be able to take water to places. Uh, and, uh, you know, what a blessing it is to be able to have those things that we could easily take for granted. We have a church member that uh, has had a series of health issues in his life. In fact, twice I uh, was with the family, so was Ricky on those times, and uh, we really believed, and the family believed, and they were instructed by the doctor that they needed to go ahead and turn off life support because it just didn't seem like he was going to improve. And, and I remember being there with uh, his wife and the family and them wrestling through that, and she said, you know, I just am feeling... Let, let's just see what happens tomorrow. Let's see what tomorrow brings. And they did. They waited and they improved. And, and then they had a downward turn again. And they were right at that door again. And, and, and she said, you know what? He's done it once. Let's see what happens tomorrow. Let's see 
if there's any change tomorrow. And there was, and it was a positive change. And they didn't, she didn't turn off life support. And, and he made it through that stage. And he's had a variety of things that have happened in his life. And Man, it's been tough. It's been tough. But I, I will tell you that he is at a place right now that they've removed the, the trach that he's had for months and months and months. They, they are getting ready. In fact, they did. They removed the feeding tube. He is at a place that they are working through the areas so that he can possibly, within the next week or so, begin to swallow uh, liquid, swallow things that he hasn't been able to swallow now for months and months and months. A couple months ago, I was over to visit him. I try and get to visit him every week. He said, do you know something? He said, you'd never believe this. And I would never have believed it unless I've gone through it. But I wouldn't trade what I've gone through for anything. Because it really has done something to me that has brought me closer to God than anything that's ever happened in my life. I said, man, I, I, don't, I don't know if I could say that. And he said, well, I don't think I could have said it until I've gone through it. Every single day, and he showed me his journal, every single day he's in the Bible. Every single day he's writing down some little way that God is showing up and showing off in his life. And he said, my walk with the Lord is just so much closer now. And I just don't know if I would have ever been there if I hadn't gone through this journey in my life. I said, well, what do you long for? What, what is the thing that you long for? And he has, a, he has a truck and it's his pride and joy. And, it's, and I said, man, do you long to be able to sit in that truck and drive it and stuff like that? And I said, do you know what I really miss? I miss being able to put a piece of ice on my tongue and taste it, and let it melt and swallow it. That blew me away. He said, I miss being able just to enjoy the simple things of life. And we are blessed, blessed people. Regardless of what happens in our lives, we are blessed people. Let me ask you some questions. You don't have to answer. These are rhetorical. If you have something going on in your life right now, I want you to think with me through this. What if Life didn't change at all from you, for you from this moment forward. What if your situation didn't improve? What if your financial situation doesn't improve or your marital status doesn't change? Your career progress doesn't change. You still are without a job next week at this time, the week after that, the week after that. What if your body doesn't feel any better? What if you have cancer and tomorrow you wake up, you still have cancer? The week after that, you still have cancer. And every time you go to the doctor, you still have cancer and you walk away. Could you still answer it the way that, you, that the, the writer of an older hymn says that we're to count our many blessings, name them one by one? There's even a more current rendering of that uh, by, uh, by a group called Wren Collective, and it's titled uh, Count Every Blessing, and there's some lyrics in there that really challenge me. That say that we need to be learning how to trust when even our eyes can't see. It's easy to trust God when we can see it, isn't it? Man, it's a challenge to trust that God has our best and that we are really blessed. If every day we wake up and the situation is the same 
as yesterday. Or it's even worse today than it was tomorrow. If someone were to come up to you and say, how's your day? What's your life like? Could you say blessed? And I'm blessed beyond measure because of a God who loves me and cares for me even in the middle of my pain and my sorrow. That's where the psalmist comes in. That's where he wants us to live. I think there are so many practical lessons that we can learn from Psalm 1. If your Bible or your device is open from, to Psalm 1, let's look at this together as we contemplate a blessed life. And I believe a blessed life deliberately chooses to love a blessable God in order to live out a blessable life. Psalm 1, verse 1. Their influences you need to avoid. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Let me just stop there for a second. If you have the app, or maybe you want to write on something the word lure. Because there are lures, people, situations that are trying to lure you in to follow them, and they are going to completely derail what God wants to do in your life. There are people that, in situations or circumstances, and the psalmist is saying here about the person that is blessed if he avoids these things, these influences, these lures. Look at the progression that it is. First he walks, then he stands, and then he sits. He's He's walking by. There's, there's a distraction. There's something that is trying to decoy his faith or trying to draw him in. And he walks by. doesn't pay a lot of attention, but he walks by. Next time that distraction comes up and he walks by, he walks by and he just kind of stands there for a second. Not really, not really saying anything, not really affirming anything, but just kind of letting it kind of soak in. The next time he comes by, he pulls up a chair and sits down to listen. You see, that's the way the enemy often works in my life, probably not yours. I'm probably the only one here that this happens to, but that's how he works. It's just these minor little death by a thousand paper cuts that you walk by thinking, man, I shouldn't be looking at that. You walk by. And the enemy is just so faithful. I mean, you're, you're there, and the next thing you know, you're walking somewhere else, and the same kind of thing. Oh, man. Next thing you know, you're pulling up a chair and sitting down and contemplating. You see, here's what I'm going to tell you, that it's not uncommon for you and I to feel or to be drawn or to be lured into this. He does this to every one of us. He does this to all of his kids. He does this to every one of us. He tries to get us to think about things that we shouldn't be thinking about or do things that we shouldn't do or act in ways that we shouldn't act because that's who he is. The enemy loves to ruin us. He loves to bankrupt our faith. He loves to to draw us into his little trap to allow people then to look at us and say, see, they're no different. They're, They're no different than anybody else. And they claim to have been blah, blah, blah. I don't think they claimed that. (laughs) They claim to be this, but the reality is, is this. And the psalmist is saying to you and to me, there are influences that we need to avoid in our lives in order to live out lives that honor God and to live out a life that at the end of our life, we finish well. I, I had the honor 
the honor of being able to visit uh, our second oldest church member on Friday. Her name is Kitty Omer. I don't, Kitty's not really her name. is like Catherine or something like that. She goes by Kitty. And talked to her for quite a while. She's 100 years old. She was 100 years old on January 7th of this year. Man, it's crazy. She is so clear. Uh, and uh, she's hospice care in the house and just different things going on. But, man, we had such a fun conversation hearing about her life uh, and then getting to hear she volunteered to go in World War II and she was in the European theater and she said, I was there at that little red house when they signed the armistice in World War II in the European theater and, and she was a code breaker and she worked psychological warfare and, and I thought, oh. Here's this 100-year-old gal telling me how, what her life was like and, and all of this. And, and she said, you know, it's just an amazing thing to be able to feel so blessed. And I said, wow. You know, here I am. I'm standing on your shoulders because you are willing to go and to serve. What a blessing. What a blessing it is to be able to have people like that that we can know or that you may know of people as well that you, you hear their stories. And, and I just urge you, if you know of somebody like that, man, spend some time with them. Spend some time with them. Their stories are so important because if we fail to remember and then pass on those stories, I think we're missing a legacy that we need to to continue to go on. And she would talk of so many times in her life of being so blessed and having nothing. Influences you need to avoid. You know, the, the interesting thing at the end of this, uh, it says, nor sits at the seat of scoffers. And, I, and you, if you read on a little, just the next verse, in verse 2, is that, but his delight is the law of the Lord. So what are the people scoffing at? They're scoffing, jeering, being sarcastic, uh, uh, minimizing, treating something with contempt of the law of the Lord, God's word, believers. It's interesting how easy it is just to be silent in settings when you're around individuals and, and all of a sudden someone kind of starts this little thing going or, or there's a... There's a a process or, or a story that's going and we don't really say anything we just kind of sit there in silence as maybe the bible or scripture or god or whatever is taken down but it was a slow fade though we we didn't get there immediately it was just this slow process that was there but you know how we counter that by habits habits you and i need to build look at verse two you need to not only avoid influences, but their habits you need to form. Look at, uh, at this individual. His delight is a law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. A little bit farther in the Psalms, and I think next week Ricky is in Psalm 37. But Psalm 37 verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord. Here it says that this person delights himself in the law of the Lord. If he has any time at all, he's in the scriptures and he's taking notes and he's studying and, and he's finding out truth and he's, and he's getting to know the Lord better by spending time in the word. You know, Pam and I, my wife and I have been married 42 years and we, she tolerates me, <laughs> has tolerated me for 42 years. 
But 42 years ago, we didn't know each other. Yeah, I knew a little bit about her from a little town up in northern Illinois. It had uh, 68 people in my graduating class, big city. <laughs> so when there was somebody new that came to town, man, you knew it. Somebody new coming to school, the whole high school was 360 people. She came to class, one of the classes I was in, it was called Family Relations. And I was just a no-account class because I, for me then, in high school, D meant diploma. <laughs> so I wasn't really an aspiring student. So I needed to take an economics class, and home ec looked just as good as anything else to me. Man, I can make stuff, and I can learn how to cook. And, and the first part of that was called family relations, and it was teaching you how to kind of navigate through life if and when you ever get married. Pam came in that class as a new person. She had already aspired. She had all of her courses complete. She just needed to go the first half of the semester. She came in to that little school at the end of November. And I remember the first day she walked in class. I thought, wow. And the next week, now this is not a preacher story. This is real. <laughs> the next week, the teacher paired us all off, everybody all off randomly, right? randomly supposedly she paired pam and me together man i was dying to get to know her i was a class clown but i would not talk to her but she paired us together guess what we got to do we had i think we had four weeks to work on an assignment that would be a large percentage of our grade for that semester we got to plan our wedding <gasps> isn't that cool man i didn't know her at all but do you know what happened over those four weeks? We spent time together. We, we realized that we really kind of liked each other. We realized that spending time together was something that we probably wanted to do for the rest of our lives because we spent time together. Now, I'm going to tell you there is a direct correlation between your love for Jesus and your want to do what he wants you to do and the time you spend with him. The writer here says his delight, your affection, your love is the law of the Lord. And the way that you demonstrate that is day and night. You spend time. You meditate on it day and night. It isn't like you stay up around the clock. What that means is he's using a figure of speech. It's a metaphor. He's saying that you and I look to the scripture for every decision we make. We know it so well. We love it so well. We look through it. And that's the lens. That's the grid that we run things through when we need to make a major decision. Have you got a major decision that's coming up in your life? Run it through the scripture. Allow God to permeate, to soak in it, to allow his scripture, his word, to be so in you that you make decisions related to scripture. He said that's what the person does. That's the habit of the person who absolutely loves God and loves his word. There's another verse that, that I think, when I think of Joshua, I think of a leader, and he was a brand new leader coming on the scene. Moses had him, took him through the wilderness, 40 years. Here's Joshua, brand new leader on the scene, probably 40-some years old at this point. And he, in fact, he's probably 80 years old at this point. Could be, close to it. 
he's fearful. God again and again, Joshua 1 says, be, do not fear and be courageous. Do not fear and be courageous. Do not fear and be courageous. He says it at least three times. And you wonder, why does God have to say that to Joshua at least three times? And it's because he's probably fearful and he didn't have any courage. But verse 8 is some good refrigerator art. Verse 8 of Joshua 1 says, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. There that is, day and night. So that you may be careful to observe everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. How many of you, don't raise your hands, how many of you would like to be prosperous and successful at the end of your life and throughout your life? Don't raise your hand. But I think every one of us to a person would like to end our life thinking that our lives were successful, that they mattered. And God says, the way you do that, the way you do that, you spend time in my word, you meditate on it, you learn it, you spend time in it, you chew on it. The illustration is here is like a cow chewing on its cud. You chew on it over and over and over and over again to be able to get the flavor out of it. But then... He says as well to you and to me in verses 3 through 6 that there are results of these choices. So we say the person, there are influences you need to avoid. There are choices you're going to need to make and then there are results of those choices. That's life, isn't it? Look at verse 3 of the results. If, the, if you do this, if you love the Lord, you spend time in his word, you allow the word to be something that guides your decisions... He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yield its fruit in season. Its leaf does not wither. All he does is going to prosper. I think about your life and my life at the end of my life in times that, I've, that you have really grown spiritually. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about fruit in our life. Not only the fruit mentioned in Galatians 5, the love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and self-control. He's talking about the, the fruit that Jesus talked about in John 15, and that's individuals who have a relationship with Christ because of you. Because God placed you in the right place at the right time. You're living out your faith, and you're communicating your faith to the point that people come to faith in Christ because of your testimony. Your life, my life, is designed to bear fruit. We were not ever born and reborn in order to just be a tree that has amazing leaves on it if the purpose is to bear fruit. I love uh, Bartlett pears. I do. And, we, uh, and this it seems to be the season for them or something. Maybe it's they're bringing them out of cold storage. I don't know. But you know when a Bartlett pear gets, it gets a yellow tint to it, and there's a little kind of a pink blush to it. Man, that dude is, it's ready to go into my hand and into my mouth. Grab a hold of that guy, and you bite on him, and you bite, and the, the juice just comes out in the front. You know what I mean? It just, it, it, it's just, wow. But you know a disappointing thing for me? Disappointing thing for me is we don't eat them, and we eat a things that we shouldn't eat more than the things we should eat. And that's just me. That's what I do. Pam never does. And all of a sudden, I go to grab a Bartlett pear, and it's all brown, and it's rotten, and it's nasty. And I have waited too long to allow this fruit 
to be revealed for its design purpose, and that is to provide nourishment. See, I think we can wait this thing out and miss opportunities. You and I were designed to bear fruit in our lives. We were designed to bring fruit for God's kingdom. Jesus said, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you prove to be my disciples. One of the proofs, Jesus said, of a follower of his is that he would bear fruit that he would bear fruit in his life, there would be people that know him because of them. He also contrasts that, the writer of Psalms in Psalm 1 verse 4, by another group. It says, the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. You know, every time I believe that I study the scripture, when it talks about chaff, it talks about something that's discardable, something that is burnt up, it has no purpose, it lost its purpose when it was separated from that wheat kernel or that barley kernel. Once it's separated from there, the chaff has lost its purpose, which was to provide a covering and to shield the fruit on the inside of that. And once that's separated, it's lost its purpose and it's no longer good for anything else other than to be consumed. What the writer here is reminding us is that there, there are those whose lives could be a blessing, but have chosen not to. And he says that the end of them eventually is going to be just like that of the chaff that is just blown away. He then, in verse 5, uses the word therefore. And whenever you see that word in Scripture, and I know Ricky said it and others have said it before, it should trigger you to say, what is it there for? And I, I'm not playing with this word. Look up above it and say, why did the writer use that word, whether it was in Hebrew or Greek, or the English translation of this is therefore, what is it there for? And he says, therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of, or the, the congregation of the righteous. When it says he will not stand in the judgment, it means that they won't be acquitted. There, there won't be a plea bargain before God at the judgment seat, at the great white throne judgment at the end of time and say, but they were a good person. Look at all of these things that they did for people. The sinners, the wicked, will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of righteous. Look at number six, verse six, excuse me. For the Lord knows or watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is how it all ends. This is the ending. The, the ending is, is that you and I have choices before us. We can choose to follow the influences of those that are kind of trying to lead us astray. Or we can develop habits of our own to get strong and, and strong in Christ and, and push back on those things that are trying to lure us and, and that we have a love for God that's real and we live out our life in a way that honors Him. You know, one of the keys I believe in my life has been scripture memory. It wasn't, the other thing is really being surrounded by some amazing people. Scripture memory. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you today. If, if you have a bulletin, inside of that bulletin, there is a little card that has Psalm 1 in ESV. Now, you don't have to do the ESV. There's nothing greater. There's nothing anything perfect about the ESV. Uh, but I will tell you that it is a good, readable, word-for-word -word translation. And I'm going to challenge you to memorize it. It may take you a while, 
but keep it with you. Memorize it. Put it in your car. Put it uh, on the refrigerator. If it makes the refrigerator in most homes, it's going to be seen a couple times a day if it makes that refrigerator our area. But if you make it up there, I'm just going to challenge you on this. I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to challenge you to memorize it, and I'm going to challenge you with the blessing of the seeking of a way out that the psalmist said in Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verses 9 and 11 says this. The writer, like you, is saying, how can a young man keep his way pure? That's a good question, isn't it? Isn't that the question we all want? How can I live out my life that, that's lived in a life of purity, uh, of purity of thought, of purity of life? How can I do that? Well, he answers it partly by living according to your word. Verse 11 then says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I think one of the keys that, that there has been in my life, and, and please, man, I am not a perfect person at all. In fact, a lot of the days, the fruit that's on my life is rotten fruit. <laughs> But I think one of the things that's made the difference over these years has been a consistency in Scripture memory and being able to, when I'm tempted to, to follow the lure, I rem, I'm reminded of a verse that's here and it causes me not to want to do those things. It causes me not to want to be involved in those things. And I, I just tell you uh, and I urge you memorize someone it may take a while this isn't a race it's a marathon it's it's crock pot it's slow stuff but you get the word of god inside of you and things are going to begin to change it'll change it'll change you on the inside maybe the change that needs to happen first is maybe you need to believe what the bible says about jesus that he is god's son that he did come and live and die for you in your place, that he really did, that he really did. There's, there's so much proof that he rose from the dead. Maybe today that's the first step that you need to take. Man, I'd love to talk to you. I'm going to be back at the Next Steps area at the end of the service. Love to talk to you about that next step for you. Maybe your next step is to just show that you are here and say, yeah, maybe you need to share a prayer request with us. Maybe, maybe today your next step is, is I've been saved, but I've never been baptized. Maybe that's your next step. Join us back at that next step area where the kiosks are. I'd love to talk with you about your next step as you pursue a relationship with Jesus Christ. Hide God's word in your heart. Have it to be a practice, a discipline you begin doing it. I can tell you in my life, lives of so many others that I know, that he will give you the desires of your heart. Let me pray with you. Father, we thank you for the opportunity you give us today, an opportunity to be able to be under the instruction of your word and to know you in ways, God, that, um, that are just life-changing. God, I thank you for the folks here that already know you. And thank you that they've already trusted in you. And I pray, God, that you would continue to encourage them and, and let them know that living for you and, and sharing you with other people is what you've designed them to do. God, every one of us in this place, I believe, desires a life that blesses you and that blesses others. God, I pray that you would allow us to be able to to grasp something from this message 
and take it with us and that we would apply. Thank you again for what you're going to do as we hide your word in our heart. Thank you for the way that you make it so available to us. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.